This is a message from the Ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Okay, so this last couple of weeks, we went through the seven letters um, of the seven church of uh, Revelation. And now there is just two letters left. Philadelphia and Laodicea. So today we will go through the letter of the Church of Philadelphia. So open your Bible in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 to 13. Revelation 3, 7 to 13. And to the angel of the Church of Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet. And to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep, keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He will overcome. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which come down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So these are the words of the only one, of the true one, the one who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. He is the one who has all of the keys on the bunch. So the letter said he had, he, he, he have the keys of David, and he opened the way to the Father. He came in the past to earth at the time when it was just possible to the high priest to come in the most holy place and visit God and had a special time with God. It was the only way at this time to see God. But he came and went to die at the cross. And what happened when he died on the cross? What happened? Just after he died. <laughs> the veil. The veil was torn from top to bottom. So just after die in the cross, he came with the key and opened the way to the Father. And you know, maybe after this event, the Jews try to repair the veil, try to close the door again, but even if they did it, the door remains still open. 
to everyone who want to visit the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen? So, he had the key to open the door to visit the Father, but he had also the key of heavens. He chose who come in heavens with him and who don't come. So, let's be watchful and listen what God had to say to us today. So, if we see this church, this uh, church of Philadelphia, we see some characteristic in the letter. The first one is the church had a little strength. It means its influence is limited compared to the other church. Its financial resources and position are limited. Its exploit with God are limited. Not in the sense they are limited, but in the sense where maybe a lot of people cannot see it. And it don't have any important, any important or wealth people in the congregation. The second thing the Lord say about the church is say the church kept the word of God. This in the front, in the face of the threat, persecution, contempt, and also poverty. The people of the church continue to work with zeal and perseverance whatever she is a small church and the church did not deny christ the church maintained the holy doctrine despite the right of apostasy of the other church in the other city so the name of this church is the faithful church and this faithfulness will lead the church to have five blessings which three of, of it will be applied during his time on the earth. The first one is on the verse 8. The verse 8 said, God have set before the church an open door and no one can shut it. Here the Lord is telling that to the church, whatever the persecution, whatever the difficulties, whatever the attack and the tricks who will come from the man and the devil, no one can separate the church from the Lord. He is the authority above all authority. The devil cannot snatch you out from the flock. The second blessing is fine, uh, can be found on the verse 9. Say, God will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. He will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. So here the terms Jews and synagogue of Satan are to be understood in a broader way than the literal sense. Here we're talking about the people who call themselves Jews or Christian, but in their everyday life don't serve the Lord. They serve Satan. We need to understand that in the church we, are, we have brothers and sisters, but we have also false brothers and false sisters. And sometimes these people are really difficult to spot because in the appearance 
they had the same aspect that your brother. Sometimes they clothe themselves with a perfect appearance, with a perfect relationship with God, if we listen to them. So we can uh, show these people in two categories. The first one, the people of the first categories, know exactly what they are doing. They are working for the devils, and they are determined to destroy the church. If we can find an example of this kind of people, we can remember when we talk about, about the Tiatira church, about Jezabel. Jezabel starts to work against the Lord at the beginning, but she finds a way to have a position, a leader position in the church. The second category of people who are in the synagogue of Satan, it's different. Those people will say they love the Lord and they can have a lot of knowledge about the Lord, but inside they are spiritually dead. And that's because they don't obey to the God's word and they don't want to develop any relationship with him. So at the church, they don't want specially to attack the church, but because of this uh, dead spiritual state, one day they will be enemy of the church. So these two actors will work to keep people in the church in the spiritual poverty. And at a point it will turn them away from the plan of God. So if those people from the synagogue of Satan did not repent, one day they will rise up and work against the church. And I talk the true church of Christ. Matthew 12, verse 30, it's really clear about it. He said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So, if we are not with the Lord, we are against him. We have no neutral position in this world. So God says he is going to make them bow down to him to show them that God approve and love the church of Philadelphia. The third blessing is on the verse 10. The Lord will say this church will be kept from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So for some, and including my, myself, this is a clear reference to the rapture that will come before the great tribulation. Because the true faithful church of Christ cannot be judged and suffer the same judgment as the people who are working against God. Other people think that there is no rapture at the of the church, but the church of Philadelphia will not pass through the, this great tribulation. They will be, there will be uh, in, the in the earth during the great tribulation, but they, uh, God will keep them from this. It will be like Noah and his family. He didn't die on the water. He was in the ark when everything started. So the Lord really loves this 
faithful church. He really loved the church of Philadelphia and, and gave to him three great blessings. So the question is today is, what kind of relationship the church of Philadelphia have with the Lord? What was inside the heart of the people of the church of Philadelphia? To answer this question, we will go back to the time of uh, the king of Israel. To compare two kings, we will compare David and Solomon and their relationship with the Lord. So let's start with Solomon. Solomon was the son of David. He was educated and more educated than David. One Kings tells us that Solomon loved God and followed the way of his father David. One day he experienced something special. He see God revealed himself to him and he said, ask me what you want. And Solomon asked God from, for wisdom and understanding to be a great leader for these people. And God liked this prayer and he granted him with a lot of wisdom and understanding. So have nothing with this prayer. Actually, I find this prayer good. What I can notice when I see this prayer, it's a man-centered prayer. When we think about David, he grew up seeing his father to have this relationship with God, to be really close from the Lord, but he didn't ask to have the same relationship with God that David had. He didn't ask to know better the Lord or something like, Lord, please walk with me like every day of my life. No, he just asked for him more wisdom and more understanding. And the Lord gave to him. In 1 King, chapter 4, verse 29 to 20, uh, 34, 1 King 4, 29, 34, said, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of hearts like the sand of the seashores. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Hetan the Ezraite, and Eman, Shalkol, and Darda, the son of Maol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nation. He spoke uh, 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005, and he spoke of the tree from the Shedar tree of Lebanon, even to the Aesop that spring out of the wall. He spoke of also of animals, birds, creeping things, and of fish, and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had ear of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So the Lord gave to him a lot of understanding and wisdom. And with all of that, Solomon rendered a lot of judgment for his people. He organized the kingdom. He ordered the construction of the house of God, of his house, a palace. He built cities and did a lot of things. 
He talked about tree, a lot of animals. Solomon's wisdom was so great that the country around Israel heard about it. Ethiopia heard about this, the wisdom of Solomon. The queen of Seba came from Ethiopia to come and, and meet with uh, Solomon. And she see the wisdom. She saw all of the wealth of this kingdom. He saw the, uh, she saw the house of God and she was amazed. Solomon was so rich that he had a lot of gold and a lot of gold utensils. In his kingdom, there were food, silver, clothing, ivory, weapons, and horses. 1 King 10, verse 23, said, King Solomon surpassed all the king of the earth in riches and in wisdom. So he became the top one of the kings. But there is something wrong with Solomon. Solomon did not apply his heart to obeying to the Lord. Moses in Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 16, meet, uh, the Lord um, came to Moses and talked about if one day Israel asked for a king and what, king should, what a king should do and should not do. Let's read Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 16. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and said, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. So Solomon was really wise, but not wise as obeying the Lord completely. In 1 King 10:26, we read, Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. In the verse 28, when the Lord before said to Moses, you should cut any relationship with Egypt, we can read in the verse 28, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kevet. The king's merchant brought them in Kevet at the current price. So there is two simple commandments and they are not fulfilled by Solomon. And now in Deuteronomy 17.17 we can read, Neither shall he multiply wives for himself lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So how many wives Solomon had? 
100? More. <laughs> you can raise them. How many wives? 1,000. <laughs> so it was the great harem of, uh, of Solomon. <laughs> yeah. He had 700 princesses and 300 concubines. And it's not really what the Lord asked for a king. And also, what was uh, those women? Those, um, those women were Israelites? No. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonian, Hittites, and for wife, he took Pharaoh's daughter. So, you know the next step of this story? story? His heart became attached to his wife, his many wives. And he forgot his God and went to worship the pagan gods. So, it's really shocking because here we are talking about a man who was educated, who was wise and had a lot of understanding. And he also taught the people. He said in the Proverb 5, verse 3 to 5, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is mothers and oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as two-edged sword, her feet go down to death, her step lay hold of hell. And in the same proverb, in the verse 18 to 20, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all time and always be unraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be unraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? So it's really shocking to see this man knew the ways of God. He taught them correctly to the people, but he didn't put himself in practice what he taught. He came and he bowed in the front of the idol. He went and built altar for Chemosh, Moloch, Asherah, that all of his wife can just go and worship idols. And we saw two weeks ago what is Asherah, what is the, um, how the priest of Asherah can perform, perform cults with uh, sacred prostitution and these kind of things. So these are the terrible consequences for the kingdom because the children of Solomon and the people of Israel started to follow the same path. They started to worship idols. The kingdom under Solomon was so powerful and after the death of Solomon, it finished divided with a lot of enemies. So, we saw Solomon, he made Israel famous, but at the end he turned against God and worked against his kingdom. 
So it's really important to understand that Evan is someone is very intelligent, very wise, very gifted. If there is no obedience to the Lord, there, ca there can be no anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't stay with someone who doesn't obey to God and didn't repent. The life of a person like Solomon, even if he comes at the church every Sunday, or if he serves at the church, if he is rich or successful, will be nothing but chasing after wind and vanity. The same conclusion Solomon gave to his successful life. He declared in Ecclesiastes, I have refused nothing that my eyes desire. I have refused my heart no joy, but all is vanity and pursuit of the wind. So it's really sad. It's really sad for me. It's my personal opinion to read uh, Ecclesiastes. I feel uh, it's really uh, distressed to read all of that. Because as a Christian, we have a lot of joy to have Jesus and know God. But the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, vanity and chasing the wind. So Solomon turned against God and he fell into the same sin as those who are in the synagogue of Satan. He defiling Israel as Jezebel did it. And we can ask this question. Is Solomon saved? Because after all of these things eating against the Lord, we didn't see him repent. So now, David, we will see David because the church of Philadelphia is filled with people like David. David was the little shepherd boy. He wasn't very strong nor imposing. But everything he did, he sought the God's face to be sure he pleased him in everything. Above all, David sought the relationship with the Lord. What he seek is to speak to the Lord and have an answer to the Lord. His pleasure was in his devotional time, writing the Psalms. When we read the Psalms of David, we can see his heart in every Psalm. When he asks for forgiveness, when he gives grace to the Lord. We cannot see that with Solomon. So David didn't want to coexist beside God. He wanted to walk with him in his everyday life. And this relationship was so deep. Then God came and made a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant. He said to him, your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And I know now that is fulfilled with Jesus Christ. So, four points about the personality of David. The first one, David seek the God's interest before his own interest. It's the first thing we can notice. It was his behavior toward God. When he was a king, he had a lot of battles. He win a lot uh, against enemies 
and God gave him time to rest. He gave him a time of grace to rest for all of his battle. You can read that in 2 Samuel 7. And in this time of resting, he could have like pleasure, live in pleasure like the other kings. He didn't. He couldn't bear the thought to him living in a beautiful house while the ark of God dwell under a tent. So during this time, he started to think how he can make a house for the Lord. So David seek God's interest first in everything in his life. The second point is David submitted his life and everything to God's will. Every, when he had battle, before the battle, David stood before God with the same question, shall I go up? David consulted God to find out what is the will of the Lord and obey it. He didn't seek the Lord to know what is the better solution. He seek the Lord to know what the Lord had to say. If the Lord said, stay, he will stay. If the Lord stay, say, go, he will go. Because he was the leader of Israel, he was the king, he was the highest authority, but he kept in mind he remained a servant of God. And this is really important for us because from the smallest Christian, from the poorest Christian, from the highest Christian, from the governor kings, we all remain servants of the Lord. Amen? David was a man who repent. David was not perfect. He was a man like us. He made mistakes. During his time as a king, he made some really bad things. We know the story of Uriah and his wife, how he killed Uriah and took his wife. We know the story about the numbered the people, when he numbered the people. When he started to numbered the people in Israel, David started to hear the voice of God. 2 Samuel 24, verse 10 said, And David's heart condemned him after he numbered the people. So David keeps his heart always open to what the Lord will say. And when the heart of David condemned him, it was the Holy Spirit said, Hey, you have sinned, you should repent. And the Lord obey automi- uh, the David obeyed to the Lord automatically. The verse 10 said, David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. So he was always ready to repent. It was the same story when he took the wife of Uriah and killed Uriah. The prophet Nathan came and he said, Hey, you did the wrong thing. And he didn't rebuke Nathan or harden his heart. He repented at the minute. He knows that 
he made a mistake. So David was a man who forgave. I don't know if you know the story of Absalom, his son, how Absalom came and be really rebellious against the kingdom of his father, how he enrolled people, politics, and uh, soldiers to come and took the kingdom. He came to Jerusalem and David just flee with his men uh, from Jerusalem. Absalom went up and he slept with the, uh, his father concubine in the full view of the people of Jerusalem. But when the two armies went to fight, David warned his men and said not to kill Absalom. Despite his humiliation, it was no question to kill Absalom. There were another man in the same story named Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite. When David fled from Jerusalem, he came and he started to curse the king. And when you curse the king, you will be dead. That's true. So this man realized he made a big mistake and he came back before the throne of David to ask for forgiveness. And when he did that, the people around David just said to David, hey, you should kill, kill him because he cursed you. But David forgave the guy. So this is the characteristic of the church of Philadelphia. Four points. It's God's interest before his own interest. The second is the church of Philadelphia is completely submitted to God. The third point of the church is it's not perfect but repent. And the fourth point is it's a church who forgive. Amen? So the question is which church way are you following today? And the second question is what are the disposition of your heart? Because our heart must be like David's heart, 100% for God. And if it's not 100%, the enemy will come and will use what is not submitted to the Lord and he will make you fall in the synagogue of Satan. So if you recognize yourself in the profile of the church of Philadelphia, don't slacken off. The Lord said in Revelation 3, verse 11 to 13, he said, I am coming quickly. Now it was a long time he says that, but I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcome, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which come down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. It's a special uh, blessing for, for this church to the Lord. So if you are discouraged today, don't slacken off. Keep what the Lord 
gave to you until the end. Amen. Let's pray together. Thanks, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We are so glad to be here in your presence. And please, Lord, come. Come and show us the disposition of our heart. Please show us what is wrong in our hearts that we can just repent. We can walk better in your ways. Please, Lord, prepare us as the wise virgin in Matthew 25. Because the wise virgin came in your kingdom, came in the new Jerusalem. Please, Lord, come. Give us the wisdom, not the wisdom of the men, but your wisdom. The wisdom who lead in heavens. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 